2: end of the day, we don't like to dictate choices to customers and dictate trends. We believe your home should reflect you. If we told everybody to go out and paint their whole home a color every year, where's the uniqueness in that?
0: Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman, Hunker's editorial director. Today on the show, we have Nicole Gibbons. Nicole is the founder of Claire Paint, a direct-to-consumer paint company that delivers designer-curated colors straight to customers' doorsteps. We take a deeper dive into Claire Paint, including how her company and their paint colors have changed due to the pandemic. We also learned about how Nicole's childhood home and family have influenced her design style and aesthetic, and how she and her company believe that your home should reflect you, not what other companies or people dictate to you. So let's welcome our guest, Nicole Gibbons. Hi, Nicole. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. I wanted to start by asking you, what is it about paint that inspired you to create your company, Claire Paint?
2: Yeah, well, as a designer, I've always been really passionate about color. And when I was thinking about you know, what type of business I would want to start. I wanted to do something disruptive. Like I could have done a furniture line or a bedding line or fill in the blank, obvious thing to do. But I really wanted to do something that would make a big impact in the home industry. I wanted to do something that truly solved a problem. The paint shopping experience, I believed, was just completely not designed for the way people shop today. It was inconvenient, it was full of hassle it was full of a lack of transparency around ingredients and chemicals you know there were just so many ways to improve the paint shopping experience that this just felt like such a bigger opportunity than doing another fill in the blank decorative line of of whatever product and so i think what drew me to paint was just the focus on color and the focus on solving a problem for customers and then tackling a big market opportunity as an entrepreneur Oh,
0: I love it. So being that clear paint is delivered straight to people's doorsteps, meaning no one has to leave their house when they want to buy paint. How has your company changed in response to the pandemic? I'm imagining more people are enjoying this type of service.
2: Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, we're still for the record, like a very early stage company going into the pandemic. We were only maybe a year and a half old, you know what I mean? And so we're quite young and pre-pandemic, we hadn't really hit that rapid growth trajectory. And then during the pandemic, we really accelerated our growth. We grew about 550%. It's been a lot, a lot to manage, obviously good problems to have, but with a small team and kind of managing fast growth, it does create challenges, but all in all, not complaining, really happy to be in the position we're in. I know not every company thrived during the pandemic, so feel really lucky to kind of be in the category we're in. Um, And have, uh, you know, really been able to grow during this time.
0: Mm -hmm. So your company's growth, would you say, is an indication that people have been spending more time focused on their homes since so many of us literally did not leave our homes.
2: I mean, I think so. I I think the pandemic has changed people's relationships with their home, especially if you think about kind of like the younger home dweller who probably has a busy life and was out at brunch every weekend and doing all these fun, exciting things in their life and sort of neglected home. And once we're forced to be spending all of this time at home, whether we like it or not, I think people really realize the importance that home has in their daily life and for their mental health and just overall well-being. You know, I've always believed that if you have a beautiful, well-functioning home that makes you feel good when you walk through the door, it can enhance your life in ways that are beyond measure. And I think people realize that. They realize the need to have a space that makes them feel good and that looks good and reflects who they are. And you know, a lot of that, I think for many people is new. You know, I think there's probably a more seasoned homeowner who's, you know, really invested in their home and all of that. But I think home is now serving so many purposes. It's home, it's work, it's school. It's literally the foundation of everything (laughs) in our daily lives now. And so, Hmm. you know, that creates a need for newness, whether that's a freshened up home office space or, you know, just a better outdoor space to enjoy when you want to get outside of your home and turn your yard into an oasis. It's really created just this need for people to rethink how they use their homes. And then it's created this desire for people to want to have homes that are beautiful. You know, Mm -hmm. as a designer, I've always appreciated that, but (laughs) um, I think it took a pandemic for a lot of folks to really realize like, oh, wow, this space is way more important and plays such an important role in my life. Have
0: you noticed that there are certain paint colors that people are gravitating towards as a response to the pandemic and how we want our homes to feel?
2: Yes and no. I think in general, the same colors that have always been popular will always be popular. The average person loves a safe color choice, right? Because they want their paint color to be versatile. They don't want to paint their home in a color that's too trendy that they're going to grow tired of. So, you know, shades of white and neutrals will always be the most popular. So I wouldn't say that there was a color during the pandemic that really like rose up to kind of buck the trends necessarily. But we did see some slight upticks in like warmer color tones, right? Which I think signals that people may be craving more kind of comfort and joy. And even when it comes to neutrals, leaning more into the warmer neutrals and cooler neutrals, um, you know, some upticks in shades of yellow and pink, kind of cheerful, happy colors. Um, But in general, those upticks didn't overtake the consistent trends that we've always seen throughout the paint industry, And since Claire's beginning.
0: Hmm. How many paint colors do you have in your line?
2: We currently have 61 colors. We launched with 55. And since we've launched every kind of year, we've introduced a new color or two. We've always done so with feedback from our customers and fans. So Most of our new color introductions were crowdsourced campaigns where we asked our customers, hey, what colors do you want to see in our palette? What are we missing? And, you know, there's either a voting component or, you know, last year we did this sort of March Madness style bracket that helped us land on our newest colors. And I believe that the paint industry has too many colors in general. A typical brand has 3,000 colors, which is bananas. You think you want something simple like white or gray? good luck because there's 336 shades of gray to choose from, from an average paint company. And so, you know, our whole goal was to curate a palette of fewer, better colors, really focus on only the colors that we know you'll love and cutting out all of the clutter. So it was important to me that if we did introduce a new color, that we sought that input from our actual customers and fans so that we would be confident that if we were adding new colors to our palette, it wasn't just a marketing gimmick. We were adding colors to our palette that customers truly love, want to see, want to buy, and will enjoy in their homes. And so we've evolved from 55 to 61 colors. Oh, it's so cool. So
0: then I have to ask, since you're the paint expert, what colors do you use in your home?
2: I think my tastes have tended to evolve over time and as well as whether I'm designing my own space or, you know, kind of when I was doing work for clients, I really like to let the architecture of the space kind of dictate the vibe. Um, And I'm in an old pre-war apartment and I came from kind of a blank box architecture-less 90s gut apartment where they stripped away all the beauty that I'm sure was there before. And my previous apartment was also very dark. So coming into this new space that was filled with light with much more interesting architecture, I really wanted to be able to highlight those two things. And so, you know, my old apartment was dark and I leaned into a really bright, vibrant, colorful palette to kind of overcompensate for that darkness But given that this space is so light and has really interesting moldings and details, I leaned into a really airy neutral palette in terms of the foundational colors of paint because I really wanted to be able to maximize all the natural light in the space and to highlight the architecture. But I brought in tons of color through furniture and accessories and artwork and things like that. So even though my space is neutral, it does feel quite colorful.
0: And is your aesthetic now similar to the home you grew up in?
2: Not at all. My mom's taste is very different. I mean, there's a big generational difference there as well, but her style definitely leans more contemporary. You know, but I think there's hints of elements that. I think we're influenced by my mom's decor preferences and my grandma's decor preferences. You know, we had grass cloth wallpaper in a lot of areas of our home and I've always loved grass cloth. So at some point I'll probably have grass cloth when I ultimately buy a home. But yeah, I think my style is definitely a lot different. And I think I'm much more open-minded about what I like. I can get inspired really easily versus like only going after a specific aesthetic. I really love mixing and matching. I love things that just have interesting shapes and silhouettes. And so it almost doesn't matter what era or style as long as the piece just kind of speaks to me and is feels unique and interesting so yeah I'm less married to a specific style whereas I think like my mom's style is very specific
0: (laughs) yeah did your grandmother live with you or did she live near you because you mentioned your grandmother
2: Yeah, I grew up in Michigan um, and my grandmother, who is no longer with us, but she loves chinoiserie. And it's interesting because I kind of stripped some of that away when I moved into this place. But in my old place, I had like an antique Chinese cabinet that was a focal point in my bedroom and a blue and white ceramics collection. And, you know, a lot of those influences, I think, came from my grandmother. You know, my grandmother loved black and I've always been drawn to like black accents, although I don't necessarily have black accents in my home. But I think... You know, my grandmother just had really impeccable taste. Mm. And I think a lot of her influences and the things that she collected, and in particular, her love for chinoiserie, has definitely rubbed off on me. Yeah. Did she travel a lot? Is that where she picked up some of these pieces? She really didn't. I mean, she was just, you know, your average... Black woman from the South, you know, kind of thing. She never really moved up north, experienced the world. I don't know where that love came from. I wish I could ask her now, but, mm. you know, I've got these fantastic pictures from, you know, when my grandfather was quite young and my mom's older brother was like, 10 and they're playing musical instruments because my grandmother was a musician and there's this gorgeous chinoiserie of wallpaper in the background. She had this like chinoiserie upholstered sofa in her living room and she had a living room and then she had a den and the living room was like immaculate and you weren't really allowed to sit in there unless it was like Easter or Christmas, <laughs> you know, so everything was always pristine in that space. And she collected Buddhas and, you know, all sorts of kind of figurines and, beautiful China. And yeah, I don't really know where the love came from. When she passed away, did you get any of her pieces or any of the things that she particularly loved? I did and sadly I don't have anything displayed in this apartment. I think when I have a bigger home I'll have more of an opportunity to put some of the things out there, but I have a lot of her china, I have some of her artwork, and there are some pieces that are still at my mom's home that like at some point I hope to inherit. You know, again, I've always been in a for the most part in a small New York City apartment, so there just isn't a lot of like room to bring things here. But the items that I do use pretty regularly is I have a lot of her tabletop pieces. She had such great pieces. So glassware, you know, vintage glassware, serveware, things like that. Do you feel like some of these
0: pieces of your grandmother's are imbued with her energy or with an energy?
2: Yeah, I kind of do, you know, and and I don't know if it's just an energy is so much it is like a nostalgia and it's just feeling that reminds me of being in her home drinking out of those sunglasses or, you know, Mm. seeing her set up for having company over in the, you know, with the serving platters. And like, it just, it kind of takes me back to that space in her home. And it's just, it's really special to be able to have those pieces and use them and know that they were kind of handed down. You know, my grandmother was really special to me. So yeah, I just love that I have those items to cherish forever.
0: It's so sweet. There's something very sweet about having history in pieces. Yeah. Um, I too have my grandmother's china. And is it something that I would go out and buy right now? No. And do I love it? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it has our it has history in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: If there were a case where someone said to you, okay, you're moving to this new place, you can only take say three or four things, what holds the most value in your home?
2: Yeah. Interestingly, it's not house stuff, but it's things with nostalgia. So I actually have a handful of my grandfather's watches. He didn't have like the most fancy watches, but the watches he had were really special to him. And I've been able to inherit some of those. And I used to wear them regularly. Now I don't really wear them. They kind of just sit in a, in a little box, but I would definitely grab those watches And if there was a home thing, I would say maybe some of my grandmother's china. There's this teacup set that she has. And it's interesting. I don't even know what the pattern is. It's more of like a tropical bird kind of pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's the thinnest, most delicate porcelain china. And they're really, really beautiful. So maybe i grab those. What else? I've got some photo albums here with pictures that were taken with film cameras where who knows where the film rolls are. And so... I'd probably grab some of those photo albums because they're probably irreplaceable at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Do you drink tea out of the tea set at all? I don't drink tea necessarily. I'm a coffee drinker. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, sadly, I think at this point, I'm so afraid of breaking the ones that I just mentioned. So I really only use them if I'm doing like photo shoot or like, <laughs> you know, something really special because I'm just like for every day, I just use whatever knockaround around glasses that if they break, I won't care. yeah. And I definitely treat my grandmother's items with a lot more care, but I I have some of her glassware that isn't as delicate and I do use those and I have some cool candlesticks. So occasionally I use those. Do you entertain at your house? Is it the type of home you like
0: to like have parties or is it your place to go inward?
2: I used to. In my old apartment, I lived in Harlem before moving down to the Upper West Side. I used to entertain all the time. And then when I moved here, I moved here right as I was starting Claire. So there really wasn't time to entertain, sadly. Once I finally got settled, because it took me forever to like unpack and furnish my space and get it, you know, feeling good, we were kind of like rolling into the pandemic. And then I think it's just been a nature of like, starting a new company and just my life kind of shifting a lot and not really having the kind of bandwidth or time or energy to entertain. But I really miss that. And my hope is that when I move and hopefully have a yard or some outdoor space, I can, you know, start doing some outdoor entertaining because I think that in this new pandemic world outside feels a lot safer than indoors.
1: And now for a quick break. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: So getting back to Claire Paint, one thing that
2: I love is the DIY focus of your business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The average person isn't working with an interior designer like me or a fancy general contractor, even in most cases. And so, you know, when you think about the average person who needs to paint their home, they go to the store, they pick the colors, they get the supplies, they go home, they figure out how to paint the room, they do it themselves. And especially during the pandemic, I think even people who probably wouldn't have done it themselves did it themselves because people weren't comfortable having Mm -hmm. service people in their homes. And so we want to be able to empower everyone to be able to paint their homes like a pro. And by no means are we trying to diminish the importance of trade, but I think a lot of our customers are the types of folks who want to do it themselves. And so we want to be a resource to help enable that.
0: Yeah. Are you a DIYer yourself? Do you like to do <laughs> your own projects?
2: I actually am not. <laughs> You know, I did a ton of DIY when I was younger out of necessity, right? Didn't have a ton of money, you know, so I was always trying to find budget-friendly ways to get things done. I was doing all sorts of hacks and, you know, being really creative. But once I got, you know, a little bit more settled into my career, I'm no spring chicken these days, time becomes more valuable resource. And so I'm much more from the camp of like, paying people who can do the job better than me to do it better and faster. I definitely think that's one of the challenges of DIY. And and occasionally I'll still tackle some DIY projects, but I'll never do it as good of a job as a professional in whatever the thing is that I'm DIYing. And I'll probably never do it as quickly and efficiently either. Same goes when it comes to painting a room. You know, I can certainly paint a room. I've painted plenty of spaces in my day, but there's no way I can roll a room out as fast as... A pro painter who does it every day for a living. So, right, I'm at a place in life where I prefer to call in the pros (laughs) with most home projects. Yeah, yeah. What's
0: one of your favorite or interesting hacks that you did do in the past when it was more of a necessity?
2: Oh, my first Harlem apartment where I didn't have a roommate was just like such a playground for all sorts of fun things. I took IKEA curtains and bought a really lovely Greek key trim and sewed on this lovely Greek key trim onto these cheapy Ikea curtains and made them look totally custom. Mm. You know, normally the Ikea curtains are like these rod pocket draperies, you know, and so I used drapery pins to create like a faux pinch pleat. Mm. They looked much more polished and professional. I think that was a a great hack. Um, Another kind of Ikea hack And I, like, shocked at my sewing skills. Like, I can sew basic things, but I made a skirted table, Mm. a skirted cloth to skirt a Billy bookcase. So I turned just, like, that rectangular kind of oblong version of the, maybe it wasn't the Billy bookcase, but it was the sort of open shelving unit. And I created a skirt with a kind of a box pleated corners with, you know, a grosgrain ribbon trim Mm. and made it look, you know, really high end. What else? Did a ton of chair DIYs, you know, refurbishing old chairs that I got off eBay and Craigslist, you know, refinishing the wood frames and reupholstering the seats, that kind of thing. I did tons of flea marketing back then. Loved going to flea markets. I would go all the time. You know, that was back when the city actually had good flea markets. Before the Hell's Kitchen, they had the Chelsea Garage, which was like such an iconic New York City flea market. Sadly, it no longer exists, but I would drive out to like New Milford, Connecticut. I would go to Brimfield, you know, and find little gems and, you know, fix them up.
0: Yeah. Refurbishing a chair sounds like a big project, I have to say.
2: Yeah. The wood frame refinishing is not the easiest because, you know, I wanted it to look polished and pristine. I wanted it to look like a pro did it. So, Having to sand it down all the way to the kind of bare wood finish and strip it. It's a lot of work. The end result is pretty awesome. So,
0: did you grow up with a sewing machine and making some things?
2: Yeah. My mom actually can make custom draperies. She does everything. She actually has a business that focuses on window treatments. You know, her basement was basically her workroom and she had. I don't know, five sewing machines, like literally a machine for every function, a serger, a this, or that, like the dookie, like the fancy sewing machine. So I learned how to sew when I was young, but never like expert level skills. I could sew basic things. I used to make my own Barbie clothes out of my mom's old fabric scraps, stuff like that. So I can I can do mm. the basics, you know. But I, I never really mastered following a pattern. Mm. I mean, I could follow a pattern, but it was always sloppy. <laughs> yeah. But I could do like really basic things well, like sewing a square shaped pillow, you know, simple shapes, hemming things, you know, that kind of stuff's really my jam, but I never got excellent at sewing. So you do come from a creative family. Yeah. And I think just personally, I've always leaned into the arts. I drew when I was young. So I used to draw like these little oil pastel drawings and enter them in contests. And I loved music and, you know, I've always been super artistic. And so I think that creative expression has manifested in different ways throughout the course of my life. And uh, I've always appreciated the arts in every form. So
0: yeah,
2: probably my mother's influence as well as some of my own curiosity and passions and, you know, just kind of finding things that I loved.
0: So how did you first get into the home design space?
2: Yeah. So I was always passionate about home, obviously growing up with a mom who worked in the business and a grandmother who was really passionate about homemaking. And so I've always loved home. And when I was working in PR, in fashion, in 2008, I started a decorating blog. This was in the very OG days of blogging. I think one of the only blogs, there were maybe a handful of blogs It was like, Decorate with the number eight. I don't know if you remember that blog. Yeah, It was apartment therapy. There was this girl habitually chic. There was really like seven or eight design blogs that like anyone ever read. Cup of Joe was super early back then. She was much more like lifestyle, less home only, but... I started a blog because I wanted a creative outlet. I loved reading a handful of blogs that were out there and I was like, I can do that too. So I started a decorating blog and I think because of my PR savvy was able to get a lot of recognition for it pretty early on. And that same year I also set up an LLC and started taking on side projects. And they were like the smallest, scrappiest projects. You know, I remember this one girl. I helped her with her apartment, charged her like no money. And I ordered like half her stuff from that catalog brocade home. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I was like full of brocade home and Craigslist finds. That was like my first client, which is really funny. But yeah, so I started taking on projects and stuff and kind of growing from there, but that was during 2008. So I was not willing to quit my day job at that time. We were at the height of the recession. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of stuck it out, dabbling on the side for a few more years before finally taking the leap. I started exploring my passion for design in 2008 and pretty much immediately knew that I wanted to pivot, but the economy was not in the right place for me to feel confident making that leap at the time.
0: Right. Do you think as far as trends in paint or 2022 is going to be the year of blue? Like, Do you just make some stuff up and say, hey folks, this is, <laughs> this is what's going to be hot?
2: No. I think that's what traditional paint companies do. Traditional paint companies make stuff up and just guess what they think is gonna be hot and tell you that this is the next hot thing. We don't really do that at Claire. Our point of view is timeless over trendy. We want to make sure that people are painting their homes in colors they'll never tire of. We look at real data to determine what our trends. You know, in the old school way of doing it, they'd have, like, trend forecasters, like, go out and predict what's going to be hot. And if you think about it, every paint brand every year comes out with the color of the year. They're all different. Mm-hmm. So whose color of the year is actually the trend, right? No one's. It's just, it's all, like, kind of marketing. And so we'll look at real data. We have sales data. We can see what's getting engagement on social. We can see what's getting page views on our website. And we can look at real data to try and determine like where trends are shifting and where people are leaning. But at the end of the day, we don't like to dictate choices to customers and dictate trends. We believe your home should reflect you. And if we told everybody to go out and paint their whole home a color every year, where's the uniqueness in that for the customer and their experience? And so, you know, we really advocate for choosing timeless colors that will reflect your personal style and that you'll never grow tired of.
0: That's great. Um, Bringing it back to you in your home, if someone were to walk into your home and didn't know you, what story does your home tell about you? What could somebody say about the person living in your space?
2: If someone were to walk in my home, I definitely think that they would know that they're in a the home of someone that loves color. You know, my use of color throughout my space, even though the walls are neutral, is really just kind of fresh and vibrant. There's splashes of color everywhere. There's splashes of life and plants and greenery. And, you know, I think it just kind of feels alive with color. And I think that's very much me.
0: Yeah. Do you have a green thumb?
2: You know, sadly, I actually think I have a notorious brown thumb, mm. but I've gotten lucky I've got a plant, one plant that I got when I moved in here. So I've kept this plant alive for almost four years. And that's kind of a miracle. And then my second longest plant, because, you know, eventually they'll die and I'll replace them. But Mm -hmm. the second longest plant, I've moved it around my apartment because I think it didn't like where it was sitting. It started to get a little droopy now. It's in my bedroom, but I have a snake plant that's been here for Maybe almost two years, and I haven't killed it yet. So, those are two triumphs. But, you know, I definitely have had some plant casualties in the past couple of years that I didn't make it, <laughs> and I've had to replace them.
0: <laughs> yeah. A snake plant is a good choice.
2: Yeah. My space gets a lot of light, but it doesn't get a lot of direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. And that isn't good for a lot of plants. Some plants really need that direct light to kind of grow and thrive. And so, I tend to need plants that thrive well in indirect light, which is tough. So maybe when I move, I'll have more direct light coming in and can branch out into a wider variety of plants. But all the plants I have are very hard to kill varieties. And I still manage to kill half of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is there a place in your apartment that you've set up that's like a special spot that either brings you the most joy or peace or it's where you do... A daily
2: habit? You know, I live in a one bedroom apartment in New York City. So it's not like I have that many spaces. I would say in general, like my living room sofa, like that's where I retreat to. And especially now that I'm working from home, my desk is my dining table. That's where I'm sitting right now talking to you. And then when the day winds down, I go get lazy on the couch and sort of unwind and turn my brain off. And that's the feeling that I kind of crave all the time, you know, because I'm constantly on all the time. And so I'd say my sofa area is uh, my most enjoyed space in the home.
0: Yeah. Are you a morning person or a night person?
2: I think I'm more of a night owl. Um, yes. I tend to stay up really late in the mornings. I don't necessarily sleep in, but I don't like to do a lot in the morning. Mm. I need like time in the morning to kind of do nothing in order to to recharge my batteries. I'm not the kind of person that springs into action the second she wakes up. I need to kind of like come to. and (laughs) So that tends to be my vibe in the morning. Are there certain things that you do, whether
0: in your home or outside your home, that helps fuel your creativity? Do you need that space in the morning? Is that like when creative thoughts come to you, say for your business?
2: Not necessarily. I think my morning time is really just one of the very few times of the day that I get to myself. Because starting around... 9.30, 10, I'm on, I'm in meetings, I'm with my team, you know, virtually, but still I'm like very much on. I don't really get any more time to myself until the evening. And by that point, I'm really tired. So it's, it's about kind okay, of eating dinner. Maybe I'm lucky to have an hour to myself before I crash, The morning is when I can just kind of enjoy my like little bit of me time. You know, the sun is shining. It's still bright. And I think it's more about that. It's more about just sort of having a moment to myself that's all mine when I'm fresh. And that's what the morning represents for me.
0: I love that.
2: So, Nicole,
0: as we are rounding out this conversation, I just have one more question for you. What does being home mean to you?
2: Being home to me means being comfortable, being safe, and being surrounded by beauty.
0: That's beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for talking with me today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Really
0: enjoyed the chat. Me too. This was wonderful. To learn more about Nicole, you can find her on Instagram at Nicole Gibbons, or visit claire.com where you can explore their services, tips, and ideas. Plus, for fun, you can even find out which color to paint your walls depending on your zodiac sign. Be sure to visit our show notes where you can learn more about Nicole. You've been listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Executive produced by Eve Epstein. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.